What's up everyone, welcome to episode 4 of the Noise Podcast. I am your host, slash your boy, Chris Pugh, and I am joined by my very good friend and Mr. Cynical himself, Samuel Lewis. How are you getting on, Sam? I'm absolutely fantastic, mate. Guess who brought a microphone? <laughs> yes, that that clear-sounding voice of Sam is because of a microphone. He finally did it. Yes, I can't wait to, to sort of cut through the mix, really, and provide... Um, as honest and, and terrifying as feedback as possible. I actually think feedback was actually the thing that was keeping me from getting arrested, so we're going to see how, <laughs> how this goes moving forward. Congratulations, we actually have a podcast. <laughs> That's a wonderful thing, Joasha. We had another weekend, Sam. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. I think um, I have to start stop going to gigs, mate, because this is really starting to have a toll on my health and sleeping schedule. But um, fuck me, mate. Another um, weekend. Parkway, Parkway Drive, Jesus. An absolutely packed show today, Sam, mate. I was putting through the notes for this and I was like, Christ, we're gonna have to, we could go for like three hours here, but we promise you we won't. On today's <laughs> show, uh, I was sent to review Enter Shikari at the O2 Academy. We're going to talk about that. Me and Sam were at Parkway Drive, Alexandra Palace. Believe me, we're going to talk about that. New albums from Ithaca, Envisions, and then we've got news on Download Festival, Bloodstock Festival, on Tool and Nickelback. Um, an absolutely fucking packed, packed episode today, and I can't wait to get into it with you, man. Likewise, man. Let's go. Before we start, uh, remember, you can get our merch from noise.bigcartel.com. £15.50, you get a t-shirt and you get a beanie. If you like that big, dirty, meaty riff leading into uh, the podcast, that was from a band called Foxjaw. want to shout out to them for letting us use the riff from their song Lottery. Cardiff Music Awards, go to the website, go to the Google Drive file, you can nominate us for Best Music Publication, it'd be wicked if you could do that, um, we got nominated a couple of years ago, we just missed out, we're going to try and get nominated again this year and see if this time uh, we can win, because we work really hard, especially me and Sam, because we sit and talk at microphones, which is difficult. It, it, it truly is, it's like a, an ongoing, ongoing thing, but again, just keep supporting noise, keep voting for... Um, music press, keep voting and buying yourself some banging t-shirts, may I say. Just keep supporting. It please, it helps. It really, really does. By difficult for me and Sam, what I actually meant by that was, the last couple of weeks we've had to record these podcasts on Sundays. And fuck me, has that been difficult? Because I'm usually <laughs> hanging out my arse. So that has actually been an actual task over the last couple of weeks. It's nice to say that when this is not a Sunday that I'm recording this. And it's just a normal Monday, which feels amazing because I feel like an actual human being and not the rotting flesh of someone that died in 1936. <laughs> Every single view propels you further from that that cesspit that you call your <laughs> hangover bed as we, uh, as we lurch slowly towards this podcast. Every view keeps us going. Let's get into this shit, man. Sam, Nickelback yes. have said they'd love to record an album of Slayer covers. Oh my god, really? <laughs> now, I, yeah, this is news that I'm going to kind of flit over because we've got such a busy episode, but when I say that to you, what's the first thing you think when I say, oh, hey Sam, did you know that Nickelback want to do a Slayer, would like to, not that, not a going to, but would like the idea of doing a Slayer, a Slayer, uh, a cover of Slayer albums? It sounds absolutely fantastic, provide all of the members die. <laughs> and immediately replaced by actual members of Slayer. Um, I, I, um, all, all jokes aside, um, I will say there's a Metallica, there's a Metallica cover that Nickelback do that is actually okay, and they play it at a festival. It's sad but true, and they sound kind of meaty, and they deliberately pick like a midi, medium-sized Metallica song, um, and Chad Kroger does his best James Hetfield impression, and that's perfectly well and good. 
but asking them to do a version of Slayer. Um, just just imagining, like if you imagine Chad Kroger doing like Seasons in the Abyss, or no. like Chemical Warfare, or like Angel of Death, or something like that. I mean, I, I it would be it would be criminal to listen to, but you know what, Chris? I'm actually rooting for this to take place. You know what, mate? People take the piss out of Nickelback all the time, but you know what? If it was so easy to be Nickelback, why don't you go do it? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Reddit. You know, do, do you see what I mean? Like people yeah, say they're pissed at them because they're like they're proper like easy, easy core dad rock. But dude, if it's that easy, why don't you go do it? Why don't you go sell millions of albums? Did you see what I mean? Yeah, I do, and I have I have a soft spot in my heart for the All the Right Reasons album. I think uh, everyone so, does, bro. So many, so many good songs on that. Um, but yeah, they've 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 written a few they've written a few genuine bangers. Of course they why are. Did, why did Nickelback get so much shit? And bands like Five Finger Death Punch are like second from download. What's the difference? To be honest, mate, in terms of conforming to like the stereotypes of a genre, there really is none. Nickelback conformed to pretty much every stereotype of your standard rock band that you could think so. Just like Five Finger Death Punch conformed to like nearly every uh, metal stereotype you could think of during the main. Yeah, so I there's not really agree. that much of a different differentiator apart from. It's cooler to hate Nickelback than it is to hate Five Finger Death Punch, according to the internet, uh, which I disagree with. But I mean, and I'm not a fan of Nickelback. You know, I, I couldn't tell you the name of the last album. I don't pay attention to them, and I'm not saying that I think that I'm rooting for this Slayer um, cover album. But what I will say is that like, they're a band that still deserve your respect, and that w- while their music might not be the most captivating or difficult to perform, as I just said, if it's that easy to do, why aren't you selling a million albums? Mate, Nickelback touring 30,000 people go from every major city Guaranteed? in the country. Guaranteed? Guaranteed? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're a prize draw. And, yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. I think, um, you know what, mate? Wouldn't it just be the biggest two fingers up to, like, the metal community to, to cover Slayer as well? Of all bands, the, the most hallowed metal purist band of Slayer. Literally. Uh, it, would be, it would be really funny. No, I, I think I can... I can I can I can get behind that because I've 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 eased off in my uh, in, in my old age. I feel a bit more um, laid back. I think if I was eighteen, that would have really wound me up. But um, I think I think just do it. I think it would be I think it'd be a real laugh. And if I pull some of the songs off, it wouldn't be. I don't know. It might, it might improve their reputation a little bit. So basically, what happened was the bassist Mike Kroger was just speaking about his love. Of metal, as in, in, as in, in the brother interview. of Chad. I didn't even know there was brothers in this. <laughs> this is phenomenal. He was the basically talking. He was talking about how much he loves metal, and he was saying that like, you know, everyone in the band knows everything for about the big four: Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, and Slayer. He's like, I'd love to do a Slayer cover album if, if I could. And he's like, that's where my heart lies. He goes on to say he listens to bands like Meshuggah, Gajira, and Lamb of God. And he's like, my friends with all of them. So like, why not? Why don't we? Uh, why don't we do it? Like, so I think it'd be interesting, man. It'd be a laugh. Um, they're a band that I think it's definitely not going to hurt the reputation. If anything, it might get some metal fans to be like, "Oh shit, we didn't. We were just arseholes to you guys for ten years. You actually can play." Um, so it's one of those. It'd be a laugh. It's not something that I'm particularly looking forward to, but it's something I wanted to mention because I thought it would be just interesting just to hear your viewpoint on. I, I agree. I think um, I'm enjoying now the prospect of a Nickelback Thanksgiving, where a few years ago it would have been Chad Kroger, metal metalhead brother Kroger. And Avril Lavigne all sat around <laughs> one table. That is a that is a fascinating thought. I wonder what the dinner time conversations would have been for that. But yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Nickelback Slayer, let's do it. 
Just going to flick through this because we've got a massive download and Bloodstock announcement to go through. Uh, the Tool drummer Danny Carey says the new album's going to be out in April, which means that that's, what, two months? And that's probably as long as the album's going to last. So, makes, makes a bit of sense it's going to be out in two months' time. Um, download, Sam. Yes, Man, indeed. Some fucking bands got announced for that lineup, I tell you. Obviously, not gonna, there was like 40 plus, so I'm not going to mention um, all of them. But Behemoth got added, which is fucking sick. Conjure a band that I literally will not leave alone. Uh, you've got Fever 333 on there, Heart of a Coward, yeah. Municipal Waste, uh, Skid Row. The three Days three days Grace got announced, which is fucking awesome. You've got Trash Boat on there. Man, you've got a really, really solid lineup, and it, it results in things like this. I'm going to tell you what, the, what three of the bands are playing in a row on the main stage on Saturday. Power Trip into Behemoth into Trivium. Then you've got nice. Guy Outward sub-headline, and then fucking Slipknot on the headline on the main stage. That's really not bad at all, is it? Mate. It's really not really not bad at all. I think um, I think if you get, I think as well, like, Lab of God smashing pumpkins tool. It's not the worst, is it? Mate, it's um, fucking great. I'm on a mark before Lamb of God and Under Oath as well on, the, on that stage on that day. Yeah, com- completely agreed. And uh, you've got Slayer headlining... That's a sad bit. I think I think Slayer not being on the main stage, I think, is a little bit saddening um, for their final UK show, etc., etc. It would be nice, but having Dream Theater, Slayer, and Anthrax on uh, on one bill there is is really cool. I think there's lots there's lots of bands here that fit. Once again, um, also at the gates, legendary at the gates, mate. The at the gates, headlining that fourth stage, come at me. That's that's going to be ridiculous. That is Municipal Waste as well with Whitechapel. Um, there's going to be some Jaws. Left over on the on the on the fields of Donington. After this, it's going to be absolute carnage at places. Now I am actually um, going to download this year. So. Really very show. Say again, mate. I'm actually going to download this year. Um, so I'm, I'm really really looking forward to it, man. Um, if you ask me to like pick the band that I'm most looking forward to seeing, I of course would say it's a toss up between Slipknot, Slayer, and Lamb of God. And they are three bands that I've already seen before, but they're live shows and their music that they're just. The way they just put the music across is just so fucking enthralling to me that I just I can't I can't help but think of now you've experienced this but I can't help but think about fucking Slipknot headlining a festival it must be fucking carnage. It's a special experience. Slash and Miles Kennedy as well, man. Sub headlining on the Friday before Death Leopard. Death Leopard, I'm not big on, but Hysteria performing in its entirety, I back it. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> You're going to get behind some absolutely massive, um, some hair metal tunes there, mate. Although... Slash is going to play some Guns N' Roses songs at the end with Miles Kennedy. They always do a version of Sweet Child of Mine, usually. So that might that might go over well for you, to be fair. That'll get the crowd going. That'd be quite nice. Count me in. I think you'll have a great time. Although I might well. catch up the gates on the Friday, so headline in the fourth stage, because at the gates are sick. At the gates are amazing. I've never seen at the gates. I'd be very jealous. They're like genuine legends. Yeah, they're like death metal staple, they are. Yeah, really, really amazing. Sam. Yes. Bloodstock. Have you seen <laughs> the comments on the on the Facebook page? I, I, I have seen the comments, yes. Mate. Now, we're going to go off on too much of a tangent here. I'm going to speak objectively about Parkway Drive and pretend that I'm not yeah, good a luck. <laughs> and pretend that I'm not a massive fan of theirs. I think if me and you were kind of into rock 
and not absolute mega fans that we are. But if we were kind of into it, I think you could have dropped me and you into... I'm not going to review the show, but I think you could have just yet. But I think you could have dropped us into Ali Pali on Saturday, knew nothing about Parkway Drive, and on stage show and size and size of sound alone, we would have looked at each other and said, these could definitely headline a festival. Right. Agreed. Bloodstock seems like the perfect, perfect place for Parkway to cut their teeth in terms of headlining a British festival because, I've got to say, Sabaton and Scorpions are headlining the other two nights. Parkway are heavier than both of those bands. Yes, they are, but they're not legendary yet. But Chris, that's what it is. They didn't release an album in 1979. Seriously, Sam, have you ever read more bullshit in your entire life? I know, it's ridiculous. Scorp- Scorpions are Def Leppard with more leather jackets on. <laughs> My gonna... dad goes to Scorpions gigs. I'm, I'm, I'm going to relate this to professional football. Please? Right. I'll be interested in this. When you've got a really... When you've got a, a, an 18, 19-year-old kid that's doing absolutely amazing, the reserves or the youth team, and he's fucking killing it, and he's if he's a striker, he's banging goals in left, right and centre... He needs to play with the first team to get better. He will always be a B player unless you give him the chance to play with, with yeah, players it, that are, that are him, bigger or the better big boys. than him. Put it with the big boys, but I completely agree. But is someone looking at Parkway Drive thinking, you know what you need, son? Sabaton. No, what I, what, what I do mean by that is, what they need is, here is the number one slot on a festival. Here is a few thousand fans that you need to win over, and here he's 15,000 fans that are already really into you. Go and fucking show while you are the future of this genre. Here's the stage, what you got. Because Ali Pali, it was sold out. Those 10,000 people, Parkway ain't trying to convince anyone Ali Pali, everyone's already there for Parkway. A Bloodstock, if 20,000 people, I don't know how many, I don't know how many Bloodstock fits, but let's just say 20,000. If 20,000 people are standing on that main stage on Saturday night when they're headlining, I want to say that 5,000 ain't convinced. Go show them what you fucking got, bro. Because then 5,000 people extra are into fucking Parkway. Then that just puts them up the bill for download and gives them the opportunity to be the fucking metal band of this generation. Because as we discussed in last week's episode, Bring Me the Horizon have ventured away from that and that's fine. But Parkway have built on what they were and remain metal. They absolutely can be the metal band of this generation. And it is fucking bullshit. And I completely disagree with anyone that's like, oh, this isn't Bloodstock, they're not metal. I completely stand up for everyone has the right for an opinion. But by that same token, I think you've only got the right to an informed opinion. And anyone that is on any forum saying that Parkway Drive are not a metal band, I'm sorry, but you have an uninformed opinion. You don't know what you're talking about. Whether you like Parkway or not, I don't give a fuck, man. You cannot say they're not a metal band. They're, they're, they're like I'd say, the heaviest band on the fucking headline list. I agree. And number one, um, in the last last few years, I'm just having a quick look through the Bloodstock's Open on Saturdays. They always seem to put a modern band on a Saturday. Uh, last year before it was Gajira. Uh, year before be that, fast. it was Ghost. Uh, the year before that, it was Mastodon. Um, keep going backwards, it's Machine Head. 
Parkway Drive are bigger than all of these bands. I've got to say, yes, they are. Machine Head included, and you know how much you really love Machine Head. Parkway are bigger. And in terms of, like, breakdowns and stuff, Parkway Drive Immortal headlined on one Saturday in 2011. <laughs> now me Immortal songs right now. Um, Fear Factory, who haven't been relevant since 1997. Um, let's go back to 2007 on a Saturday. In Flames, who produced two albums and then disappeared entirely. Um, you, like Parkway Drive is actually, as well, a massive get for Bloodstock. Absolutely. The Soul Day Tally Pally on Saturday. This is a this is a brilliant this is a brilliant 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 move for Bloodstock, who are finally realising, like everybody else, should be realising. Hint hint download that at some point everybody else is going to stop doing this, and you are going to have to anoint someone who who plays these shows. And Parkway Drive, a headline uh, at the top of a group that includes Architects, that might one day include While She Sleeps, the Really doesn't include anybody else apart from a slip, not at the moment. And at some point, you're going to have to stop putting, like, bands like Sabaton and Scorpions on here. Um, because, really, you're not going to be able to get anybody else. And fair fucking play, Bloodstock, because this lineup on Saturday is superb. Is we are not? going to this. I've just decided. That's what I mean. Uh, look at if, Parkway, when... Anthrax, Cradle of Filth, Code Orange, Die Artist, Murder. That's literally what I was just about to say to you. Dude, we've just bought a day ticket. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. And Bloodstock have just bought in two guys, me and you have never been to Bloodstock before. As much as some of the bands that book are wicked, it's, as a festival, it's just never really appealed to me. But I'm looking at this Saturday lineup. We just bought tickets. The popularity, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, and and this, this is a thing, like, the popularity of Bloodstock, if it wants to grow, if it wants to keep up with people then outside of die-hard metal fans, it does need to widen somewhat. I'm not saying... Now, I know it's supposed to be the alternative download where um, you're appealing to the, the metal fans that are not pleased by the download headline. I understand you're appealing to a certain demographic. That being said, though, you've also got a massive fucking field, and it's very expensive to run a festival, so you're going to need some numbers. And Parkway Drive are now the quintessential big metal band that isn't Slipknot, the architects are starting to become as well. They were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. We aren't going into that detail, but we don't need to. They were absolutely fantastic. They deserve their slot. They were as brilliant as you would expect. If I was Parkway as well, um, I mean, I, I don't, if, if I was Parkway, that can mix their setup. If they really wanted to go out there and say, all right, you think we're not a metal band, we're going to kick your doors in. That could play like six songs off Horizons, Atlas, and Deep Blue, and fucking crush everyone's face. Yeah, absolutely. Because if they started adding in like Deliver Me and Swing and Romance Is Dead and all these sort of tunes that they don't put in the set list as much anymore, and then add like Karma and then add Price, and it's just shocking. These aren't these aren't a metal band. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. Have you heard Rock Me Like a Hurricane by Scorpions? <laughs> it's on fucking Guitar Hero. <laughs> like, it, it's it's it, it it gets played in like football stadiums as teams run out. Old women sing it on the side. Who are we convincing here? Like, oh, uh, name me, name me, name me a like a middle-aged woman who's singing like Karma. 
please. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah. like, and I shout, shout to all middle aged women that get into metal, by the way, that is not a discrimination on middle aged women whatsoever. All I'm trying to say is people are sitting at Pogba, then that's not metal. They're more, they're the most metal of all three headliners. Absolutely. They're the most relevant of all three headliners, the most popular of all three headliners, the most fitting of all three headliners, and the best band on that bill by a long way in terms of modern material and appealing to this audience for this year. I'm sorry. It's the best, it's the best shout. At some point, Michael Schenker's going to die. At, at, so, at, so, at some point, Bruce Dickinson's not going to draw breath. It's just, it's a sad truth. We have to start getting other bands involved, otherwise we'll stop going to these festivals. And all these fucking bloggers who are commenting on saying that's not metal are going to be like TFLE googling fucking Bloodstock 2011 footage on YouTube because the festival isn't running anymore, and they really want another shot of that Dimmu Borgia gig. Mate, I, I honestly, I, I, I fucking could not agree more. I honestly think. There's a lot of contributing factors as to why metal isn't the powerhouse that it used to be in 1986. One of them is that <laughs> in 1986, Slayer and Metallica both, both released the best albums and that metal was probably creatively at the best it's ever been in terms of the massive bands releasing the big quality. Now, while I think as a collective, I enjoy listening to modern heavy metal much more than I enjoy listening to classic heavy metal from the 80s. I think the biggest contributing factor to metal not being as big now as it was 30 years ago is the people that sit there and be like, this doesn't sound like fucking raining blood. Why aren't they trying to fucking beat 120 BPM on this? This ain't metal. Oh man, unless it fucking sounds like Slayer, I'm not interested. It's like, dude, fucking wake up and move with the times. I put a tweet out yesterday that I genuinely believe that no genre's no fan base has struggled to move with the times as badly as metal. Let me ask you this, Sam. How many people that are... Now, I don't pay a lot of attention to pop music, and I don't think you do either, but I'll ask you anyway. How many people do you see commenting on fucking Taylor Swift saying, you don't sound like Mariah Carey? Yeah, it just never happens. It just doesn't happen? Because pop... And its fans have moved with the times. But metal fans, not all of them. In fact, I think we're talking about, you know, a, a smaller minority now. I think despite the amount of comments on the Bloodstock page, which suggest otherwise, I think a lot of people see this announcement to do exactly what me and you do. Hey, man, that's fucking cool. But we're not going to comment either way. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think you look at that comment section on Twitter and on Facebook, and it's just got the people who are fucking butthurt that fucking Anthrax aren't headlining, even though, what, they haven't fucking done a great album in fucking, what, 10 years? Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. for me, it's like, fucking move with the times. Metal, metal fans are literally, apart from 90s R&B fans, are the only part of the music community that have nostalgia. Literally. Like, like, it just never happens anywhere else. No, no, you're right about the Mariah Carey thing, but people aren't even doing that saying, oh, you know, something like Lady Gaga. People aren't even remotely nostalgic. It, it no. just happens. You're bang on. It you're just absolutely happens. bang on. And let me ask you another thing. Outside of Slipknot and Avenged Sevenfold, please name me another band that metal has turned into superstars in the last 20 years. If there is one, then cool, let me know. I can't think of one outside of them two. Um... 
Not of like a regular headline material. I mean, it should have been Brim of the Horizon, but we, we pissed them off as well, didn't we? Yeah. But um, what I mean by superstar is like, nailed on, you can headline download every year and people will still come. Yeah, yeah. And you could do it at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Um, you could headline Dello tomorrow sort of thing. Um, I mean, like maybe I should have given you more time to think about that, but off the top of my head, Slipknot is obviously absolutely yes. Avenged. Outside of that, dude, I am fucking struggling. I really am. Yeah, I, that, it's every, it, that, that is that is kind of it. That is that is kind of it because because every other band is like a second stage headliner. Then you're into like, the Machine Head, the Lamb of Gods of the world. Um, but yeah, honestly, off the top off the top of my head, since like 1990, that's it. That's it. I mean, we've had this conversation before when we were robbed of Pantera. Yeah, robbed of Nirvana. And, yeah, and and and, and that that's the metal Mr. Generation, but. Aside, aside, aside from that, right, mate? There is um, there's no one that I can recall that I have seen in the last decade who can do that online. And it's scary, man. Until you see things like this. Fucking good on your bloodstock uh, for making this booking. Uh, I'm pretty sure I can say comfortably, me and you will be there on that Saturday, and we'll have yeah. a fucking time of our lives with that lineup. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not going on that Friday or Sunday. Absolutely not. And I don't mean any, I don't mean any, any disrespect to those bands. I mean no disrespect to Sabaton or Tesseract, who are a sick band, or Children of Tesseract Bodom. Tesseract are good, yeah. Or, or, or Dimmu Borgia, or Soil Work. No disrespect to them. But me personally, I ain't paying three figures to watch you at a festival. No. That's me no, we, are, we, are, we are literally winning because we are the middle section of metal fans that don't like it too light, don't really like it too classic, we're in that, with that modern bit in the middle. And that's who they're appealing to with this, this Saturday lineup. And they've got it. Cold Orange Die Art and Parkway. If you were like, name me three or four of the biggest or most impactful extreme-ish metal bands of the last 18 months or so, they'd be in your top five, all three of those bands. Absolutely. So, you know, good for you, Bloodstock. Now that I've got that off my chest. <laughs> Mate, you sound better already. Sam, on Friday night, I got sent to Enter Shikari. How was that? Mate, I'm going to go over uh, the support bands first, and then I'm going to uh, break down Shikari. So, uh, Black Peaks were the first support, and they're a band that I heard about through, as a lot of bands that I mentioned on this podcast, I heard about through That's Not Metal. And um, Stephen Hill was fucking raging about this band. Like, Black Peaks, I can't believe this good. They've got no right to be this good at this age. And much like Puppy, they're literally, they're a legitimately alternative band. They've got like a fair bit of like rock and grind about them and a fair bit of fucking scream. I'm a really dirty guitar as well. And the, the venue was a bit criminally unfull for them. Um, or sorry, empty would be a better word. Which I was a bit like, oh man, they deserve they deserve more of a crowd than this. But what I will say is, the people that were there were fucking one over. You could tell, much like I was talking about employed to serve. You could tell that people were looking at each other, being like, holy shit, man, this band, these are fucking cool, man. I'm gonna check these out. Um, sounded great live. Riffs were heavy. Vocalist is clean as fuck. Sounds just like it does on the record. I really think that this band have got a good future ahead of them. I'm gonna kind of force them down your throat because I think. That are a bit like Puppy. They don't Absolutely. sound like Puppy in terms of like instrument instrumentation, but they are, they're legitimately an alternative band. They're not just a rock band that fit perfectly on Radio One. They're they're legitimately alternative. And you you like I said on a few episodes ago, that's what I mean for man. Um, so they were wicked. I'd easily give them um, an eight. 
Uh, band called Palais Royale, who were the uh, sub-headline on the, on the show. Now, they are not for me. They, they aren't trying to be for me. They are the 1975 with a bit of extra fucking rhythm, is what they are. What I will say is that they spared, they spared no expense. Man, they turned up with <laughs> proper light show with the name uh, lit up um, in That's gold good. in gold behind them. They'd put, they've put the effort in. They've put the money where the mouth is. And, mate, there was a good section of the crowd that were proper fucking losing their minds for it. Man, now, it is a bit of a weird marriage, um, Palais Royale and Enter Shikari. Even though Enter Shikari have kind of gotten lighter over the last four years... I still did think when I saw that they were supporting, I was like, that is odd. I'm not sure how this fits. I'm not sure whether those fans, that's quite two quite disparate styles for fans to be interested in. But, mate, uh, I mean, I was at the bar getting a drink, just, you know, paying attention. Mate, people were fucking loving it, man. Um, it's not for me. It's a bit too, like I said, it's a bit too 1975 with, with more rhythm for me. But I can totally see where they've got a future because... They're the kind of band I would have loved when I was 16. Right. And when I was 16, my favourite band was Unit 6, and I was buying fucking everything of theirs. I was buying t-shirts, I was buying special edition albums, I was buying fucking uh, weird little memorabilia things, I was talking about them all the time on social media, because obviously when I was 16, you know, when you get obsessed with something when you're a teenager, you're fucking obsessed with it, yeah? Yeah. 100%. And you want everyone to know that you're obsessed with it. So, Absolutely. So, like... They grab that kind of audience. And I think that... I don't think I will ever come on here and say... Hey man, there's this new Palais Royale album that we must talk about because it's so good. What I do think I'll say is... We'll see them creeping up the lineup at festivals. And I'll say... Yeah, but to be fair, they've got a massive fan base. Not for me, but fucking more power to them. That's that's great, man. I think um, you've given me um, a little bit of inspiration to actually check them out. Um, I'm, I'm actually curious to hear what you describe as a strange marriage. I want to see how that sort of goes... And um, you know what? I always like I've, I don't hate 19, no, the 1975. I, they don't do anything for me, and I think them being hailed as like the future of rock does make me really resentful. Yes, uh, but that's, that's more that's more about the critiques surrounding it, where people are just anointing bands without really looking around and seeing where the track is. But that, that's that's my perception of the media industry. But I've got no, got no go hate for them. So I'll be interested to hear how that sort of guitar in style sort of is with added intensity. Yeah, like I say, it's a weird marriage. I don't think you'll be into it much like I'm not into it. But I can see them being a big deal and more fucking power to them, man, because they definitely put the money where the mouth is. Um, they definitely added the kind of funds that you need to. to ma- they made themselves seem like a real big deal, which can seem somewhat arrogant. But at the end of the day, the perception for me who is neither here nor there, and I was like, hey man, at least they fucking care. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and fake it till you make it right. Like, turn up and act like you're the bollocks until everyone tells that you are. Like, people exactly. said, oh, people said the same stuff of sort of stuff about, like, the Sex Pistols, and then that, that kind of worked out for them, really, didn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, so, I've got no problem with rock band charisma, like, that, that, that's kind of the point, I guess. So, good for them, good for them, I'm glad it was good. Talk to me about the main act, man. Holy shit, dude. Right, so... Yeah. I'm going to take you back. We've seen them before, and I, and I wasn't blown away. I've got to admit. I'm going to take you back uh, with Shikari. Um, oh, dear. Reading so Festival I? 2013, uh, I was there with Leon. Mm. It was the first time I'd ever seen them. Now, that was that was my favourite period of Shikari. 
it was when they were just coming off the Flash Flood of Colour album and that they were just starting the writings of the album that followed, which as actually I have forgotten the name of. Um the the mind the power and the mind sweep, I think it was called. So I remember the the guy like running the stage went over the mic and he was like, Here's the next band on he went, uh oh, it's Enter Shikari. And they came out and they played Solidarity and it fucking kicked off. It was absolutely insane in that crowd. Everyone was losing their minds for how different and how sick this band were. Like they were incredibly heavy, but they put really sick like dub dubstepy tech elements into the band. And everything just hit me like a train. They played a song called Destabilized. And on it, it was legitimately t frightening, like what the crowd was like. But I was I was still absolutely enamoured with it. So heavy, so interesting. They made speeches about how important the NHS is and how uh, the government's letting us down and j just teaching people that we should be loving to each other. And they just stood up for all the right things. Their music was spoke for itself. They were... A band that you seem to be able to just put your hat on and be like, yeah, man, they're going to be the next big thing. Like, And by big thing, I mean, like, genre, genres-wide that will marry all these things together and do something really special. Yeah, I, when I first heard Enter Shikari, I thought I was listening to, like, five years or ten years into the future. Yeah. Like, like, when, like, like when they first came out to Destiny 6, I was like, what the fuck is this? This is, like, extraordinary. I didn't get it for ages. It sort of like was just like really confusing, like genuinely. Rue Re Reynolds is a genius. Like yes. for his genre, I think he's incredible. Yes. And so my favourite period of Shikari was when they literally sounded like the angriest band on earth. They sounded like they hated everything and I was absolutely in love with it. And then uh, they did the Apparel and the Mind Sweep, which I thought was a very good album. But it seemed to take a little bit away from Flash Full of Colour. And then they released uh, the latest album. And when they released the latest album, I remember I reviewed it. And I was like, oh man, I think they're fucking blowing it. I think they're blowing it, man. Because they'd taken that step into something else. Where the Spark is the name of the latest album. They'd taken that step into something else. And I really didn't get it, man. There was a couple of songs there that I thought were really wicked. Mainly because Rue Reynolds is fucking sick. And he's got a really good mm. voice and he's really intelligent. Yeah, he has. But there was a lot of it on there that was like, man, I, I just don't get this. And I honestly thought they'd blown it. And I thought that they were going to be one of those bands that seemed oh so close to taking it to the next level. and But then it just seemed to dissipate. Kind of like Bullet from a Valentine. They seemed like they were so yeah. close to being the next big thing. And then they yeah. released that album, Man Temper Temper. And since then, it's just been a fucking rapidly downhill slope. So. Yeah, I agree. I'm standing in the O2 Academy. In Birmingham mm. on Friday. They open up with The Sights, which is the best song off The Spark. And then two songs later, they play Labyrinth, which is off the first album, which I love. People, are, fu people are fucking kicking off. And I'm like, fucking hell, this is this is mad. This is. Then they play Arguing with Thermometers off of Flash Flood of Colour. Flash Flood of Colour. And literally. It's explosive. People are fucking nearly killing each other. And I'm like, holy fucking shit, man. This is this is still Shikari, man. I, like, somewhere along the line, I forgot that they had this in them. And that they could still elicit this kind of response from people. And I was like, man, this is a Shikari gig. This is the band that I really fell in love with uh, back in 2012, 2013. 
And then they played songs off the new album. And a bit like how we're going to with Parkway in a bit. Man, the new, the new album stuff. I don't know whether it's because I was so in the moment. You hear it in a live setting. You're like, man, why didn't I fucking fall in love with this? They played Rabble Rouser, which had so much more bounce than what I remember. But, mate, and then they, they played 26 songs. It Ooh. was a fucking mammoth set. And there was this period, mate, where, honestly, I thought, if this is the end for me, then fair fucking play, because I'm having a fucking time of my life here. They played Hoodwinker, which is a fucking heavy as fuck beastly tune. Gandhi Mate Gandhi, which is probably the angriest song I've ever heard in my life. Then Mothership, which is my favourite Enter Shikari song. Mothership's amazing. Then they did a cover of Insomnia by Faithless. With, like, like, mate, if I say to you, Shikari cover of Faithless, of a Shikari cover of Insomnia, you'd be like, yeah, I mean. Yeah, 100%. Riffy Insomnia, all day. It was fucking awesome. And then, you know, they played Sorry Not A Winner. They played Last Garrison. They played System Meltdown, which said, you fucking punishing, man. I thought my skull was going to fucking just melt. Dude, they were <laughs> absolutely fucking brilliant. And I honestly feel like I'm fully back on the bandwagon, man. I think, really? I, I think I'm fully back on the bandwagon. They've, they've won me back round because it was just so, like, apparent to me that they're still a really, really fucking big deal. And while I think that they were so close to being the big thing and that they're not the big thing, I still think they're one of those bands that in 10, 15 years' time we'll see as the machine head of modern alternative heavy music. And do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, I do. Like the headline of the second stage every single time. Yeah. Because they're a great fucking band. It just never... It just never got to Metallica levels. You know. Honestly, I cannot speak highly enough um, of this gig. It would have been my gig of the weekend had it not have been who was headlining on Saturday night. Um, I've, I've had the fucking greatest time. I was fucking pissed. <laughs> I was it, I was, sweat, <laughs> I was sweaty. I was angry. I was buzzing. Everyone was just fucking up in arms. It was such a fucking cool time, man. And it's really won me back round on this band that for for whatever reason, for a time, I, I just I just thought I'd kind of lost it. But uh, yeah, what a fucking time, man. I'm so grateful that I was sent there and it was the coolest fucking thing. And um, they're a band that I, I genuinely believe, man, that I will, that has rekindled my love for them. Um, and I'm so fucking glad I was there. And I kind of wish you'd have been there as well, man, because I really feel like you would have been like, Dude, this is fucking awesome, man. Because you saw Shikari when we when the headlined down like headlined Slam Dunk, and yeah. we were saying like you you said oh yeah it was fun but like I don't know man but I think you'd have been into this. If, if it's as angry and horrible as it sounds, then I I think it's it, it just sounds like you got absolutely battered at a disco, which sounds phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, pretty much that is what happened. I've got to say. Um, we will move quickly on because I am uh, slightly wary of the time. But yeah, Shikari, they've won my hearts back. What a fucking band. Um, and I feel guilty for ever questioning them. We're sorry, Rue Reynolds. <laughs> Sam. Yes. Before we get into the review of Parkway Drive, when they announced the tour, which was Diotti's Murder, Killswitch Engage and Parkway Drive, there was somewhat of an outcry saying that I can't believe Killswitch are supporting Parkway. That doesn't seem right. It should be the other way around. Much like we were just talking about with the Bloodstock announcement, are we both uh, in unison to say that is absolute bullshit, yeah? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, we were wrong to have that outcry, uh, if any outcry was had at all. Um, I think you watch that gig, and you, you, you watch Killswitch, and you appreciate them for exactly what they are, and that, what, what I want to say is they are an absolutely fucking brilliant band. Oh, yeah, oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. But they have four songs that would raise the roof at any stage in any gig and not a great deal after that in terms of live repertoire. Um, everything else, everything was, they're, they're brilliant, they're well performed, everything's great, um, but they have four 10 out of 10 songs and a whole album and albums and albums and albums of 7 out of 10 material. Yeah. And the biggest sing-along happened that whole evening to My Last Serenade and End yep. of Heartache. Yeah. Including, including Parkway. Yep, I agree. By, by, by a fucking mile. And as we were walking in, I bet you were, I could overhear people saying, I'm on here for kill switch and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And that, that I, I understand it because I don't come here very often. Um, but beyond that, that came out and through some massive punches with some of their set list choices. But then there's, an, there's just a dip. It just happens. The crowd lulls. Um, because they're like, no one listen, no one's listened to their new album as much as the, as the older stuff, and they really hit a curve, and they they didn't they didn't produce an album after after as Daylight Dies that could really compete, and they lost all that momentum, and it was and and, and they haven't really got back there since. But they've got four or five absolute genre defining songs in My yeah. Curse, End of Heartache, Rose of Sharon, My Last Serenade, and not a great deal else. And 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 it's sad to say, um. Because Adam D is a wonderful guitarist and 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 Jesse Leach is a really good vocalist. Yeah. Uh, always does. And their drummer's really solid and all. That. They all do their bits. Everything else just doesn't sound as as good. It's just like a noticeable gear shift downward, and you just sort of bobbing your head along and things like that. They, just didn't ma- they couldn't match their own intensity and they couldn't match their own uh, repertoire really or or, or skill set, I guess. Um, whereas Parkway. There was no lack of intensity at any point. What I will say is that in terms of the people, and we weren't one of them, but in terms of the people that were like, Kill Switch should not be supporting Parkway, I've got to point out, in terms of tickets sold for tours, in terms of merchandise sales, in terms of album sales, in terms of streams on music platforms... Parkway are ahead of Killswitch in every single fucking way. And I don't mean that as a knock to Killswitch. I adore Killswitch Engage, as Daylight Dies and End of Heartache are two of my favourite albums of all time. But it is indisputable. Parkway are a bigger band than Killswitch. That doesn't mean that you must think Parkway are better. That means that the indisputable evidence is that Parkway are bigger. That's not a bad thing. But yes, Killswitch should be supporting Parkway. I've got, I don't, I love Killswitch. There is no way Killswitch would have brought 9,000 people into Ali Pali. No. It doesn't happen. It there really isn't. It would have really happened. isn't. Unfortunately. And, and, and Kill, Killswitch, don't, Killswitch don't play an 18 song set. No. They haven't, they haven't got 18 songs that can hold your interest. So, for me, I, I, you know, in terms of the review of the gig, I'd say that Killswitch are fucking great and I really enjoyed it. And I could hear my curse live every for the, every night for the rest of my life. And I bet you would still sing it at the top of my lungs and fucking burst my blood vessels. Because it's same. such a great song. Same with Rosa Sharon. Same with My Last Serenade. Serenade. I actually enjoyed In Due Time as well. And seeing yeah. Adam D and Jesse live, uh, Jesse Leach live, is fucking wicked, man. They're both amazing. 
Um, but I, I'd give Killswitch a seven and a half because yeah. they were fucking great. They played their fucking great stuff, and then they played the stuff that helps them get through the setting in terms of timing. Um, and then that just you know that just it's really difficult. You know when you've got songs like My Curse, your songs that aren't as good stand out like the covered in luminous paint. Yeah, because. My curse is such a fucking banger. Same with Minor Serenade. Same with Rise of Sharon. Same with End of Heartache. I completely agree. Um, I'm, I'm going to give them a seven, just because it was just solidly good. I think I think your point five is out of affection. Um, yeah, but, but I'll stick with it. Fair enough. Fair enough. I just thought, as well, I thought that set list was all wrong. Why? What? Why you play my, my uh, End of Heartache second? What's that for? <laughs> uh, it really annoyed you, didn't it? I could tell because you mentioned it straight after. Yeah, it did. Um, set this structure really matters to me, and I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> I think cause one of my favourite films is High Fidelity, and he talks about making like a compilation tape. Like this is the nineties, so like bear that in mind. Um, talks about making like a, a compilation album for his misses, and he talks about opening. Like, the way that it goes, you want to open it strong and then go further and then bring it down a bit and then go up and then go for the big finish. Um, look at the most successful bands, live bands, on the planet. Bon Jovi does not open with Living on a Prayer. Yeah, I'm, I see I'm, what you I'm, mean. I'm, do, do, you know, do you know what I mean? Um, just, I can't believe I went think of the most successful live bands in the world and my first choice was Bon Jovi. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm never going to leave that one down. But... Um, that was, that was one of the first ones. Uh, Metallica don't open with Enter Sandman. Sad but true isn't third. Um, I, 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 you just need to play the crowd. Um, if 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 Killswitch want to come out here and play new opener off the new album, four or five thrashy tunes, say how everyone's really good. Play something off an older tune that's like a little bit of a reward for the fans who have come out there to see ya. Um, play you know play something off their first album, something off their second album, whatever. But then, get to your last four and play them all at once. And yeah. then just say to the crowd, this is what you've come for. For the next 25 minutes, I want to see everybody singing, everyone pitting, everyone going for it. And just do Rose of Sharon into End of Heartache, into My Curse, into My Last Serenade, and just try and set the place on fire. I don't understand why, but why wouldn't, why wouldn't you do that? Why, yeah. why wouldn't you do that? Why would you try? Because, actually, I've answered my own question, I've just thought of it. You know why they do that, Chris? Because they know their set list is weak, so they have to stretch them out. That's why. Even they know. They have to put one early, because people get bored. They have to put one in the middle to keep people's interest, and they'll stick to it at the end, because that's the stereotype. They know themselves. <laughs> I love you, man. I'm, I'm just saying, like, like I, I, I'm just saying. that I reckon, I reckon they know. It's like um, Derrily Dunkers. You know when you like you have all the cheese at the start and you're like, oh shit, I've got to space myself now. It's like that with um with, with music. Jesus. I can't believe I made a, I can't believe I made a food metal reference and Martin wasn't even here to appreciate <laughs> I was, it. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> but like for real, like um it is it, like that. They're stretching the songs out because I think they know how diluted their set is. There's no there's no way you play end of heartache second unless you have faith unless you don't have faith in the other other eleven songs. But I'm just yeah. saying, kill switch man. Play those last five. ACDC, right? That my dad makes this joke. He's absolutely right. ACDC haven't changed the last half a dozen songs of their set list since like 1982, <laughs> and it's absolutely spot on because it's like whole lot of Rosie, 
Fucking highway to hell, back in black. You shut me all night long. Those about to rock, I sal- uh, we salute you. Thank you, good night. It's, 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 do you know what I mean? It's fucking set in stone. Why mess with something good? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It, it does really bother me. <laughs> I can't believe I'm still talking Does it? it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. I can't help myself. I can't help myself. But yeah, I think, yeah, Killswitch were good, but not great. And I'm really sad about it. You know who were great, Sam? Who were great, Chris? Fucking Parkway Drive. Yeah, Parkway Drive seemed really comfortable with what is legitimately the biggest show of their life. And the idea that they seemed to treat it like... They knew that it was special, but were still able to treat it like any other show. Absolutely fucking terrifies me. Mate, from the second that the lights dropped and the flamethrowers like behind us in the middle of the room, which I thought was awesome, was going off. And then, I don't know if you've seen pictures, but we had, like, there was quite a few people in front of us so we couldn't quite see. But actually, the band walked through the crowd... With the with the flying throwers oh. in the air, they actually walked through the crowd with the flying throwers in the air, which oh I thought was God. fucking awesome. And then obviously they stood on stage, they opened wishing wells. That fucking snare drum, just doo doom doo doom, just fucking. It's the it's the individual spotlight that finished with Winston as oh, well, mate. It was so cool when it. Man. If we're if we're creating like a imagine like a flow chart or like a graph of like vocalist confidence, right with. Right on one side, right next to, like, unbelievable confidence, you've got, like, Axl Rose early 90s. And right at, like, minimal confidence, you've got Ollie Sykes 30 seconds after being hit with a cup of urine. Yeah. Um, Winston is, like, Winston is, like, right at the top of this confidence level there, right? Like, he, because he's got, he, he did not, he poor his performance was on par with Sam Carter's, but he's got something Sam Carter has not. There's something that Winston has as a, as a vocalist. That yeah. that little that little that little tinge of that charisma and nastiness and ability, uh, not ability to just sort of be a front man and just be the spokesperson for a band and things like that. Now Sam Carter makes it very clear this is his vibe that he's one of five. You know, yeah, I'm here yeah. with my boys, my band. Winston McCaw is a front man, like a metal front man. I agree and with we that. Have, we have we haven't seen that since Corey Taylor. I agree with that. And that level of confidence and charisma is why Parkway Drive is so engaging live. Because I play drums for like 12 years, I play guitar for like 7. I don't know a lot of lyrics to band songs because I've spent the last 10 years like air guitaring and headbanging to them. So I don't actually pay attention to the words that are said so often. So like I don't know verses, I know guitar solos, it's really strange. Yeah. But um, I couldn't keep my eyes off Winston. Like, I was, like, standing on my tiptoes to see over the edge of, like, other people's shoulders to see what he was doing and stuff. Like, I just couldn't, I just couldn't stop myself from seeking him out. You couldn't keep your eyes off him. He, he's remarkable. And, and they, they feed off that. Because the rest of them um, are brilliantly understated, I think. They, they, they're all, like, matching each other, dressed in black and chilling. Uh, Jeff was incredible. As usual. But he, he's not a sort of guitarist like Kirk Hammett was back in the day, or like Slash, where they're running around the stage and going on their knees and jumping from place to place. You know, they're not those guys. He's just going to stand in his corner, play his ridiculous sounding guitar, and do what he needs to do. But but Winston McCaw is 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 fucking unreal. Mate, how fucking sick did the new song sound live, man? Oh my god, Mate, how massive was Pry? Mate, Absolutely the chorus massive. for Pry, every fucker was singing that. I completely, I completely agree. Wishing Wells, Pry, and the Void. The Mate, Void, Cemetery the Void, into the Void, 
Yeah, um, and as well, this was a big thing for me. Um, you know when you watch like YouTube videos of like big metal bands playing in like Brazil, and they always get like the guys singing their guitar riffs and stuff like Maiden do this a lot, Metallica have done this, like Guns N' Roses, you know, and that the Void was getting like a, a like that sing sort of along reaction. to the riff, sing along to the riff thing, and that's like oh that's like Rock and Roll Hall of Fame level crowd response that is. Same with Idols and Anchors. Oh, my orders and anchors. Oh, I was so fucking pleased when he dropped that. Oh, I it, it, fucking just, love the guitar solo on that. It's just brilliant. And I think they've, I think they've recognised if you're gonna, like me and you said, we listened to Aya for the first time, and me and you both said this is an album for a band that wants the headline download. Yeah. And then we listened to, then we listened to um, Reverence, and we said this is another album from a band that wants the headline download, and now they're headlining festivals. Um, this is. The perfect transition from too heavy to be playing in front of 80,000 people to they have enough songs to make this work. Yep. They can please everyone. Yeah, they, they really, really can. Because then they've adjusted their set list as such. And Calm is still there. And Idols and was still there. And Carry On was still there. They're their big... Three of their biggest... And that, it's interesting that they chose of the, the one the amount of songs to keep. The ones that are the most singable and the most danceable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... um. Like I said, they weren't playing like Smoke If You Gollum, do you know what I mean? Like it just wasn't gonna happen. Yeah. But um they were they said this was like meticulously put together, absolutely huge, and everything worked. And the fact that their new songs brought the most pull tells me that between playing in Nottingham Rock City, between playing uh two years ago whenever we saw them, it was literally like so two a year and ten months ago. And the, the the band that we saw two days ago has gone through a transformation. They've they've they're they're, they're they're different. They're different now than they were then, and they're more they're more successful for it. Um, they've they've found that mid range between being heavy enough to be accepted by their diehard fans, i.e., me and you, and light enough to bring in new fans and bring in a popular crowd reaction. Because let's be fair. Me and you would absolutely fucking kick off if they played Romance is Dead, and so would the 30 people in the pit punching the crap out of each other. Yeah, so what, yeah. What's the other 9,500 people doing? Absolutely, you're bang on, man. You, not, not, they're they're nodding their head and muttering the lyrics to themselves under their breath because they don't know them, because they're either A, indecipherable because you're not Winston McCall, or two, you haven't heard it that much. Pry is a clear, massive chorus that you can jump to, you can dance to, and it had the biggest reaction, so did The Void. This is this is their this is their album that's gonna take them. This has had the black album effect. Where they've they've gone there to a headline festival and the live show was confirmed. It they were remarkable. The bit with the sparks behind the guitarists they were playing. Oh man, it was fucking awesome. Like as a visual it was just incredible, wasn't it? The way that they lifted the platform for Jeff to stand on when he was doing Wild Eyes. Yeah, they brought out three women just to play, like, cello and orchestra and stuff. Like, you see that shit when they're doing the violins? I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. They've no, 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 this is not what, it's not what we're used to. But, you know, like, it was unreal, like, as well. And it, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. So, I'm going to be doing a lot of echoing your sentiments, so I won't go too far into it. 
But Fair I enough. thought it was your classic example of a band that we saw play to 2,000 people in Rock City less than two years ago, and they've done every correct step that they needed to make, and now they're going to be headlining festivals because they've got the classic old material which they can flit into the set, and the new material is bringing new people in. I think Parkway Drive, as we've mentioned earlier, I think they're a fucking incredible band. They're probably my top five most favourite. But even without me putting that bias on, I think they are... They're the best live act of the generation that I've seen. In yeah. terms of the whole package. Yeah, I think I, that's fair to say. I preferred Architects as a gig. Now, that the reason being is because Reverence is an 8 out of 10 album that I really, really like. But holy hell, as we've discussed, is a 10 out of 10, oh my god, this is the greatest thing that's happened in a decade, in my yeah. opinion. So, Architects', Architects new material it was so much more impactful than me than Parkways, but that's not to suggest that I didn't like Parkways. They played a, a song called Cemetery Bloom, which I dislike. It's on the new album, and I don't like it. I don't get it. I, it, on, it on its own, in a vacuum, it's not great. It seems like a really weird transition for Parkway that I think, hey, man, take those risks. You've got to dip your feet in the water to find out how cold it is. But I, I didn't get it. But saying that, the way it fed into the void, and the void just came in out of nowhere, it was absolute fucking genius metal perfection. Because it got the crowd from, like, a chilled lull to boom right back up again. And that's what you want at a gig, yeah, a range of emotions from have a chill, lose your fucking mind, knock some fucker out next to you. You know what I mean? Put your arm around your mate. Parkway give you all that. They're just a fucking phenomenal band. They're the best live band of the generation. And I, I believe that they are the pioneers going forward for modern metal. I really do. Yeah, and you know no what? One deserves I, think it more. I think that's completely fair, mate. I think that's completely fair. I would not dis- uh, not disagree with anything you said there. Give Parkway an eight and a half. Gonna go nine. This made the, this they, they took the leap. They took the leap. It was great. Album reviews, Sam. Do you mean I said yeah, we weren't gonna go for too long when we've been like over an hour? <laughs> we we haven't reviewed just the albums, albums yet. So, band called Ithaca. Yes. A band that I have mentioned, I mentioned on the first ever episode that we did, which seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? Which is uh, scary. Um, yeah, it's like a month, right? Yeah. I I found out about them because I received an email from their uh, the PR hold tied to a fucking uh, really, really great PR. I love working with them. And I was like, they're on Holy Raw Records. So I was like, oh, that's the record label that had Condra, uh, Rallo Tomasi, employed to serve. So I was like, I'll be checking these bad boys out. And boy... Was I not disappointed? Because yeah, they are. This was this was they really are like, interesting. They're like, and I mean this in a good way. This album called "The Language of Injury." It's legitimately hard to sit through this album in full. It is absolutely punishing, in in a sense that I can't even begin to. Uh, the phraseology just does not exist within me to describe how heavy I find this album. There's a song on this album, the second one, called Impulse Crush. I've yes. never heard so many pinch harmonicas in my life in a song. <laughs> like, literally, they are fucking relentless. The song is three minutes and ten seconds, and I, I would honestly say about two minutes of those is pinch harmonica. It is absolutely, from the get-go, unrelenting. Just, 
Metallic Hardcore is something that I've only got into in the last few years because I heard about Employed Server, thought, oh, I'll check them out. And I was like, oh, these are sick. And then, like, you know, you hear Code Orange and that, and, uh, that kind of band and Conjurer. So I've only really been into Metallic Hardcore for a short while, but I've really, really got into it. And bands like this, I think, they've got such a fucking future ahead of them because if you like heavy music, you will fucking enjoy this album because... It is literally sledgehammers to the head for 40 minutes. The song on this album called CLSR starts off melancholic tones and it fucking booms into the hardest fucking alternative rock gritty riff that you will hear all fucking year, man. Honestly, this album is fucking wicked. I love how just relentlessly, relentlessly heavy it is from the get-go. More blast beats than you can fucking count. The ri the riffs. Sam, the guitarist who writes the riffs. My goodness, mate. I mean, he he must be a fucking genius on these riffs, mate. How he's thinking of these because they all they all seem to sound a little bit different, and yet they all seem to make me feel like my rib cage is about to fucking burst <laughs> out my skin. It is just. It, I, I don't want to keep going over just how heavy it sounds because I feel like I'm doing the album in terms of its craft. A disservice, but the first thing that you're going to realise when you listen to this album is you haven't heard many bands that are heavier than this. Lead singer Jamila, fucking hell, she has got the the fucking vocal range to just cut through sheets of metal, man. She she can do everything. I think this album's fucking great, man. Um, you you know you aren't someone who I've played a lot of metallic hardcore to. So how do you find this? Uh, first of all, I actually. I had so many feelings during this album. Um, the first part, when I heard the first one, I, I sort of rolled my eyes a little bit because I felt it was just... First track, I thought, oh, it's, it's, it's another hardcore. They're going to try and kick my head in. It's heavy for the sake of heavy. And I've heard these sort of... Dun, 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 sort of like yeah. deliberately obtuse riffs um, a few times. Um, Devil Wears Prada are brilliant at these sort of riffs. Like early Devil Wears Prada, uh, for example. But... What impressed me was there's a few songs, man, where he's playing like clean guitar and the the vocalist is screaming over the top and then it kicks into some heavy shit and then it goes back out and there's some changes of tempo and there's some like rise and fall. And I was think I was start I start I stopped thinking are these just another angry hardcore band that we're gonna have to spend time saying words like intensity and do <laughs> you know like passion? Uh, like all that sort of buzzwords um, and when you start hearing us say that in three or four weeks about random bands you'll start to know why um, but it was the it was the, it was the writing ship that really the juxtaposition really sold me here um, because it was the way that clearly seemed aware of a rise and a fall where you needed to lower it down a little bit to make the, the rise so impactful and I think a lot of metal bands forget that um, when they write an album they want to kick your face in for 45 minutes but you have to treat you have to treat a metal album sort of like writing a good film, and if you watch like great horror films and stuff like that, it's about the absence of stabbing in the neck that makes it scarier because they're build up to it, and by taking you away from those big moments, you anticipate them more. So when they're kicking, they have a greater impact, and that is what's going on here. Ithaca have a real real ear for tone and a real real ear for the need to display a wide range of musicality. I think their vocalist needs a little bit of work, 
it kind of sounded like he was losing his voice a little bit at bits of this, um, which which I think added at certain points because I, I bring me the rise needs to do this really well because it makes them sound like Ollie's having like the worst night of his life or something, yeah. uh, and that really adds to the tunes like like there is a hell was really good for that, um, but I think at times it can be can be twisted a little bit and tuned up a little bit and sort of polished a little bit. Um, but I thought overall the riffs were great. The the clean guitar stuff I liked like a lot. And I thought the blend was really, really positive. It's a well-structured album. It's a well-thought-out album. And I actually thought it got better as it went along. Like every song, I seem to enjoy a little bit more. I'll be listening to this again. I'll be going back and, and re-hearing a few of these a couple more times. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, really, really interested in this band. This band have got a lot... A lot going for them. Um, I was really, really impressed. See, it's difficult for bands like this because they're on Holy Raw, which has got such a great track record for amazing underground up-and-coming bands that the second I press play, I was like, these need to be good because they've got a lot of fucking competition to go against and I was not let down at all. I think this band have come at the perfect time. This band came a few years earlier. This wouldn't have sat so well with me. But because I've got into Metallic Hardcore and I feel like there's a real groundswell beginning of bands that sound nasty, pissed off, want to fucking rip your insides out. And they've got that underground nature. I think the, the time was perfect. And they've struck while the iron was hot. And for me to say that, you know, before this, they had like an EP in 2015. This is their first shot at the big time in terms of by big time mean recording a ten rec- a ten song album. I think they've done fucking phenomenally well. Yeah, for their first swing, they've they've, they've really done well. This is really impressive. They've got see, and this is where we get interesting, right? Because how far can music like this go? I don't know. I said to you before. I, I think I said it again on this episode actually that you watch Employed to Serve and they're an amazing band, but I think they enjoy the fact that at the moment they're out, they're the opening act. And they can make everyone be like, holy shit, that opening act. They were fucking awesome. Let's speak to them after the gig. Like I told you, when it's sick to your guns, they are, they are yep. opened. And the queue to speak to them after the gig, I couldn't fucking leave. Because everyone was like, holy shit, you're amazing, man. That was wicked, you know. Oh, you know, could I buy a CD? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah. So how far can this band go? I don't know. What I can say is in terms of musical quality, you're going to struggle to find too many better records than this, especially for the first start of the year. I would say that this is probably my favourite album that we've reviewed so far this year. Oh, that's good. I'm just in love More with than it. FIFA 333, which you fell in love with last week. It's uh, um, it's one of the... Like, I flip-flop between the two. It's really difficult for me. Um, but I think I'm so in love with... Just the raw power that this album gives to you. That I'd probably just say this by by a fractured hair. I'd just about say this. Wow. So I This is the most say... impressive debut I've heard for a long time. For this genre as well. Oh yeah, man. For this genre, it's fucking incredible. I mean, I, I loved um, Employed to Serve's last album, uh, The Warmth of a Dying Sun. But I actually prefer this. I think this is a better album. As good as that album is, I, I do think this is better. The only album that I think is better than this, of this ilk, is Conjurer's Maya, because that album is just, I mean, fucking... Matt, I need to sit you down and play you that album. It is, that album is truly phenomenal. 
I would go uh, 8.5 for this. I think this is a really, really great beginning for a band that have got potential to uh, make some fucking weaponry in Metallic Hardcore. Sam? I'm going to give this a 8. Um, because if you consider the context of expectations versus reality, um, and that means I, I do think it was better than Fever 33's album for context, uh, because what I got from Fever 33 was almost exactly what I expected. Uh, and I'm only using that as a comparison because I love both albums. Um, I'm going to give this an 8 because I did not expect this to be so good, and I did not expect uh, a band starting in this genre to write stuff that genuinely took me by surprise. Sam? I'm going to give you the reins to begin with Envisions. New album called Between You and Me. It is out on Friday, uh, the 8th of February. So this album review will be out before then. Yes. Sam, these are fucking meaty heavy boys from York. What are your thoughts, man? Uh, it's really unfair that you give me two albums that are this heavy back to back. Um, <laughs> because usually I like to listen to a heavy album and listen to a podcast or something just to take the edge off. I actually listened to the... Uh, the first time I listened to these albums was actually back-to-back -back on a Sunday. Fucking hell, uh, man. Your brain. Yeah, yeah, not pleasant. Um, but the, these... Um, these don't have... Oh, I'm going to start off with the negative before I get to the positive. Um, these don't have the variety that we were just... Um, that I was just praising Ithaca for personally. Um, the, this is a Ron Seal metal album as far as I can tell. Um, this is meaty, this is heavy, this is fucking nasty. Jesus Christ. And, and I actually went back and listened to their first album. Have you heard the difference between their first album and this album? Do you know, uh, that is something that I was going to use as a point. So before you go really in-depth in there, um, I will go um, into that. So I'll let you carry on. But the difference in quality in albums is the main thing I was going to focus on. So do continue. Um, it is really rare. Like, and I can't express this enough. I really can't. Really, really fucking rare for a band to get heavier than their debut. It yep. doesn't It doesn't happen. Yep. It just doesn't happen. Bands just start off really angry, raw, nasty and heavy, and then get progressively lighter because their studio time gets better. They want to go for popularity. And bottom line, man, um, death metal doesn't always sell records. Just doesn't. Yeah, you know, once you've got that two thousand people coming to your show, that that's that's it. That's it. That that's your ceiling. No one's ever got past that. Loyalty's murder. I haven't got past that. Do you know what I mean? It just hasn't happened yet. Um. So for 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 this band to go to come out with what was because I listened back to it, it's a decent album. Like it doesn't move the needle for me. I'll be honest, but it's 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 perfectly good. Uh, really solid. For them to go, oh, we can go heavier than that. We can go nastier than that. Without having to, like, replace some of their members and, like, fucking send the vocalist to hell and back or something to improve his vocal standard and things like that, to whatever this might have been. For them to come back and bring this just sludge of, a tr of, of an album was, I want to say, it has my deepest respect. Has my deepest respect. Because even bands like Whitechapel, Suicide Silence aren't doing this. Bands that have built their reputation on, like, going heavy, being nasty, haven't done this. So, shout to them. Um, this is a this is a steel tailcap boot to the throat, and if you like that, you have to listen to this. It doesn't do anything else. Like, uh, you know what you're getting from this album. 
you're gonna you're gonna listen to it. It's gonna it's gonna kick you in the head for like 45 minutes or however long it is, and then you're gonna you're gonna want to put on some smooth jazz while you while you rub your temples for a little bit afterwards because that that's what this is all about. Um, it's very it's it's really good. I mean I don't I don't think it's it's not life changing. Um, I think I think I've produced a really really decent album. Um, but it's just nasty in it, mate. What do you think? So, this band, Envisions, actually I reviewed their first album. And, hey man, I love Metalcore. Right, so, when when I was told, oh, there's this band, you know, the Metalcore, join review the Derby album, I was like, yeah, man, fucking chuck it to me. Um, if I remember correctly, it's called Never, no- Never Nothing. Yep. And what I thought was, ah, they are just another drop in the ocean for Metalcore. They're fine. They play with the synths a bit. It's a bit rough around the edges. They've got a few decent breakdowns. They'll do fine. They'll support a few good bands and then they'll just whittle the way because at the end of the day, they're not... They're, they're fine. They're never going to make a splash, is what I thought. So when this album was being talked about, I was actually a bit hesitant to review it because I thought, well, I kind of know what I'm going to get with this. I'm just going to get like a bit of build from the first album and I don't think it's like you said. I think it's going to move the needle for me. But I thought, you know what? I'll just give. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I thought, let me just check this out. Forty-five seconds in, I was like, "Hang on a second. What the fuck? Where the fuck have this band been? Because this is something that I am fucking interested in. Now, you are right when you say that." The variety in songwriting isn't where this band shine. But what <laughs> no, I, no, it's but not. What's 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 good about this band is that's not what they. I don't think that's what they're trying to do here. No, that's fair. In metalcore, you can either try and do there is a hell, or you can fucking double down on being heavy as fuck. And these have definitely doubled down on being heavy as fuck because some of the breakdowns in this song are literally like hair removing <laughs> like you know the uh, yeah. the memes the memes where like the bloke the, the, all the skin's being pushed back because it's really windy breakdown <laughs> yeah. on two little two lights and heretic literally that it's it's Fucking... that bit where Frodo and Sam at the end of Lord of the Rings are looking into the mountain of doom and just their hair and there's grease yeah. and black sludge all over their foreheads it's like that and what I love so much about this album is this album ain't trying to be anything other than a Fucking breakdown centric, hard riffing, fucking beast. You know what the remind, you know, album this reminds me of? Remember Amir's last album? Yeah. Reminds me of so, so much of that. Where yeah. they're just like, all we want to do is make sure you get your neck removed in a mosh pit at one of our shows, and that's all we're going to do. It's interesting to note that Stay Sick Recordings have recently signed Envisions, and that is owned by uh, the frontman of Attila. So, and, oh. and I think I think when you listen to this, that's Hey, good for Attila, sense. man. Good yeah, for Attila, like, that's a cool thing they've done there. Shout what I do want to point out about this about this album is a couple of things. Some fucking great riff work from Alex Scott and Lucas Gab. Oh, hard to be agreed. Man, there's a solo on Memoriam. Fucking beautiful. Yeah, it which is. is. It is a nice break from the fucking fist to the nose that you've received for the other 40 minutes of the album. Yeah. And, and, I, and I really it's respect that they Yeah, I really respect they were able to be like, yeah, let's just chuck something a little bit different in here for two seconds. <laughs> but the main thing that I want to point out is the vocalist, uh, Ben Ville, I believe his second name is. Man, he does all the vocals. There's no backing vocalist here. That That is incredible. 
he, he's able to show that sort of range is astonishing. Man, he is a fucking beast. Now, what I will say is that I think Envisions would benefit wholeheartedly from a guy like the clean vocalist in Wage War. Yeah. If they could get that, then yeah, this, this band, band would this band could really do some shit. I don't. Th- I think Benville's absolute greatest asset is he has an absolutely unmatched intensity in his lows. Yeah, some of the breakdowns. Hard. Some of the breakdowns are given so much more ferocity by his ability to just fucking burn through the uh, the music surrounding him. It is Thyatesque at times, isn't it? It is, yeah. And I think hey, that clean vocalist in Wage War, they don't fucking grow on trees, mate. He's a special find. He's yeah, to but, play guitar like that as well, by the way. Yeah, he's he's just an, he's an anomaly. He's he's fucking incredible. But I think this band, this is I put in my written review that they had no fucking right. Much like I said with Monasteries before, this band had no right to release an album this good. This is such a step up from Never Nothing. Yeah, I agree. Because it's an album that doesn't try to be anything else. Yeah, you can tell that with Never Nothing, they were trying to just be, you know, the band that ticks all the boxes. They ain't ticking no boxes here, man. They're going to fuck you up. And if you are into metalcore, like our friend Leon, yeah, man, I played some of the songs they've put on Spotify in the car to him on on Saturday, and he was like, fucking hell, mate, this is pulverising. And if you're into metalcore, you're going to be fucking well into this band, man. There's no reason why, if you like early Asking Alexandria, you wouldn't fucking adore this. Yeah, absolutely. There's a few friends I'd happily recommend this band to. And know that they're just going to happily dance off into the, this this hellscape that they've provided for them. It's it it is exactly what you want. It really is. Like if you are into metalcore slash deathcore, the this album is going to give you literally every single thing you could want because it's like I say, it's just fucking breakdown after breakdown, and then you've got fucking guttural lows, you've got screeching highs. I'm not a massive fan of the. Of the NSFW lyrics, you know, when they're calling people cunts and that, I'm not massive on that. It okay. does not. Uh, 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 I don't. Ha- I don't have an opinion either way. I mean, like you're a metal band, do you know what I mean? Like I don't mind. Sometimes I feel like you'll be really careful. That doesn't make you sound like a gimmick. Yeah. Okay. Like for a, you know a tiller, like how yeah. I don't really, I, I, I don't get it with a tiller. A lot of no, it is because I think, I think, I think the lyrics are a bit trashy. And for me, it's a bit like, oh, okay, you know, you're gonna call her, a, you know, a whore and a, and a bitch and a, and a hoe and that kind of stuff. Now, where's this really going? I prefer a bit more intelligence in the songwriting uh, in terms of lyrically. Yeah. But in fairness, as well, saying that this album doesn't focus too much on the fucking bashing of a certain um, vocal minority or anything like that. It just it basically focuses on. I'm over here, I'm going to play this really fucking crushing riff. You're going to play those really dirty fucking guttural low vocals. And this is going to sound like a fucking bull in a china shop. And that's exactly what this album is. And I think it's, I'm really into this. And I'm really happy as well because I, I, I was not going to bother with this at all. I was going to let this come and go. And I was never going to bother listening to this band again. Because for whatever reason, the first album just didn't sit with me. I'm so fucking glad I gave this band a second chance. Because I'd go and see these. 
He's the player. Yeah, you'd never, you'd never come back. <laughs> I'll go and see these. He's played Loki because I know I'd have a, re- I'd, I would have a fucking really good time. And uh, you can tell that this is the kind of thing that would transition beautifully. Like these players in the basement, holy shit, the fucking bricks would be up falling out the wall. <laughs> Unreal. I'm, I'm, so, I, I'm with you, mate. I'm with you. They're a, they're a, they're a hammer blow. They're, they're exactly what you want. Um, but they, they don't do, they don't do a great deal else, like I said. Um, but this is exactly if you're into if you're into metal if you're into having your shit kicked in this is exactly what you want they're they're brilliant they're intense they're they're vibrant they're violent they're nasty the vocals has a good range I I can't I can't I can't say any more than this is just the archetypal heavy metal album let's score this shit man I am gonna go seven because I think there's still work to be done it's uh, in uh, you know especially in terms of the clean vocals but Massive step up from the last album, and I believe this band have a future. Sam, completely agreed with the the writing of a seven. This is the bang, classic textbook definition of good metal album. This would be under the dictionary. This would. Dude, that was a podcast. <laughs> One hour twenty four minutes. That is it for this week's episode of the Noise Podcast. If you're still listening, thank you very much. That must not have been an easy job, but we hope you've really uh, enjoyed it. On the next episode of the Noise Podcast, we are going to be doing album reviews on the new Blood Youth album. Me and Al- me and Sam have uh, got it. I am checking it out shortly. I cannot wait to hear the fucking tones they're going to drop because I was in love with the first album. We're also going to be reviewing a new album from Outright Resistance as well, which is a band that I think Sam is going to really, really like. Trust me, I think he's going to be really fucking into that one. I can't wait. the merch, noise.bigcartel.com. Vote for us in the Cardiff Music Awards. Check out noise.co.uk for all your features, news and reviews on the bands you don't know about and the bands that you love. We will be back in two weeks. We love you. We will see you soon. Bye.